Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. It's been almost exactly six years since the last Benny's closed in Greenville, Rhode Island, and people here still can't stop talking about their favorite store. The place that sold everything from bikes to towels to tires still holds a special place in our hearts. And now, there's a way to share your memories. We'll talk today with Benny's co-owner, Arnold Bromberg, and documentary filmmaker Dante Bellini about a new project. After a quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. We're joined today by Arnold Bromberg, co-owner of Benny's, and Dante Bellini Jr., owner and chief hooligan of Hooligan Film Productions. Arnold, Dante, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having us. Good morning. So, Arnold, for those who did not grow up going to the Greenville Benny's like me, give us a quick description of Benny's and what it has meant to Rhode Island. Well, it was a business started in 1924 by my grandparents, my grandfather, Benny, and my grandma, Flora. First store was in downtown Providence, and they expanded quickly throughout Rhode Island. We had stores in Taunton, Massachusetts, Danielson, Connecticut. So we branched out. We were a lot of small towns, neighborhood stores, and that's the way we continued to do it for uh, 93 years. What did you sell at Benny's, uh, for those who have never been in? Uh, let me see if I can remember what we used to say in the commercials. Houseware, hardware, toys, tires, bikes, sporting goods, gas grills, and the little bulb that's in the back of your refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) So for a customer walking into Benny's, what was the experience like? For a new customer who'd never been in before, they probably would be amazed by the the variety of what's there. If they needed something, I mean, did you have a PA system? Uh, To me, it seemed like Jimmy would just be like, if I wanted lawn bags, Jimmy would be like, Joe, we need lawn bags. (laughs) (laughs) No, what we we were... uh, what we wanted to have the, the, our, our staff do was to actually help the customer get to the product. If they wanted a gas grill, you'd walk over to the gas grills and you sell them the gas grill. Then you sell them all the accessories, the tools, and and you you know you tried to make your job as a salesperson uh, equal to their job as a customer. And why did Benny's close? A lot of reasons. Uh, since we closed, I'd like to say that we we saw the writing on the wall, and not only that, we understood what the writing meant. And it was just time. After its closure, it inspired a musical, 
Benny's the musical, but apparently Benny's inspired more than a musical. So Dante, break the news. Tell us about the project you're working on. So we are considering and most likely doing Benny's the documentary. And it is not necessarily a film about why everybody loves Benny. It's more of a deep dive into the essence of why people have such a strong affection for this brand and for many small businesses, and also why these kinds of emotions linger and what they mean. Uh, And interspersed through all of that will be the fun stories and the anecdotes that we all have generation after generation. It's an interesting story to me as a storyteller, but, you know, I also have the angle of having represented Benny's for many years in my former life, which was that of an ad guy. So you're looking to have people share their memories of Benny's? What are you looking for? Absolutely. We're looking for primarily stories and old photos and new photos and videos, just whatever connections people had could have been someone's first bike. It could have been their first set of tires. It could be just the feeling of walking into a store and being attacked by the smell of the store in a good way, the smell of Benny's. It could be so many things. We've heard literally thousands of anecdotes over the years about why people feel a certain way about Benny's. And you know what's really interesting, that people felt that their Benny's was the only Benny's. And what was your Benny's? My Benny's was Branch Avenue primarily. And I always felt like I was cheating on Branch Avenue when I went to any other one. (laughs) I I felt like I couldn't make a major purchase anywhere else that the manager would find out and be mad at me. Yeah, to your point, you know, I, I grew up in Greenville, so that was my Benny's. And I still remember getting two items there. One was a brown Huffy bike with a banana seat and an orange flag on the back. And the second was a dark brown first baseman's glove that I used to play for Scungio Chevrolet <laughs> Little League team. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Are there I'm, pictures? Yeah, I should dig them out. I should dig them out. <laughs> so since Benny's has inspired a play and now a documentary, I have to assume a major Hollywood film is the next natural step. So my main question for you, Dante Who plays Arnold in the movie? There's only one possible actor. There's only one. The name is Larry David. There can only be Larry David in this role. Arnold, what do you think of that? Who would would you cast as Arnold Romberg? I I can't think of anyone better. (laughs) (laughs) And and they've already shown they have the actors to play his younger self. Um, All right. I'm looking forward to this. So I've watched the teaser that shows Arnold walking through the old Benny's warehouse in Smithfield. Let's take a listen. You see an empty building. To me, it's a time machine. I see the hard work of receiving, storing, and shipping tens of thousands of items from housewares and hardware to tires and toys. I see the people who worked here, the laughs, the hardships, the celebrations. I hear the music from radios, the whistling, humming, and singing. I hear the jokes. I hear the forklifts rumbling over the steel plate flooring and the call for coffee break over the PA. The past is right here. That is the corporate office slash warehouse in Esmond. Had these big wide open spaces where we were able to fly the drone through the windows and really get a sense of the vastness and the, the emptiness now 
against the backtrack of hearing like the loudspeaker and the clutter in the background of what it might have been like with the warehouse working. That teaser piece is really meant to evoke a sentimentality and perhaps a sense of anticipation for for what's to come. Arnold, tell us about the point you're making in the teaser. You're not looking at it as an empty building. You see it as a time machine. Right. Well, for me personally, I, you know, I spent all, my, all my, my whole working career basically in that building. And a lot of people that work for us worked there for a long, long time and, and multi-generations, not only of, of my family, but their families too. And so, you know, you're never very far away from... Uh, from what, what's happened uh, before and what's going on now. I wrote a column at the Providence Journal back in 2015. I proposed that Rhode Island make essence of Benny's, the official state fragrance. I described it as a beguiling blend of inner tubes, motor oil, and paint thinner with just a hint of bug spray. And I said the Benny's cologne would send an unmistakable message. Hey, look at pal. I'm from Rhode Island. So, Arnold, I still can't get over the fact that you can't smell that distinctive scent that I remember in every Benny's. How, are you telling me you, never, you have never picked that up? No, I, actually I did. I think when I was younger, when I used to walk into our, uh, the first warehouse, which was on Dryden Lane in Providence, I, I used to get that smell when I walked in. But, you know, after a while, I just didn't get it. We actually tried uh, like a half-hearted attempt to recreate the smell because we used to sell a lot of, uh, you know, air fresheners for cars. And I, and I, Talked to the people from the uh, from the car freshener company, and uh, I told them what I wanted to, to put into a, a fragrance. They told me to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that actually the uh, the subtle undertone of cardboard is cardboard uh, is yes. maybe missing yes. that. Yeah. yeah, good point. Good point. So we gave you a head start on your project, Dante. Last night, our producer Megan Hall posted on Facebook asked, "What's your favorite Benny's memory?" Someone said, "Every year I got." fishing licenses at Benny's on Pawtucket Avenue. When I moved to Exeter, I went to the same Benny's for my license, and the guy helping me was like, I've never sold a license to someone from Exeter before. Like so many things, I never thought to go anywhere else. Cynthia wrote, I grew up going to Benny's in Coventry, so I knew where to go when I moved in my first apartment in Providence. I went to Benny's and picked up my first set of cheap cookware, a dish drying rack, a clothes hamper, cleaning supplies, and a couple of games for when I had friends over. You could get everything there. And last one from Laura, my second job, which I worked at on and off for several summers, was at Benny's. There are too many to pick one, but here's a couple. Finding out that I wasn't so bad at suggesting sponges for 99 cents to customers at the register. Learning more than I ever dreamed I could about spark plugs. And going on a flight to Philadelphia and a guy coming up to me and asking if I worked at Benny's. Benny's was the best. What do you make of that? No, that's uh, all, all rings true. Those 99-cent sponges, I remember they were pre-priced from the, uh, the supplier at $2.79. And uh, it was a pretty good deal. I was always in favor of marking them up a little bit, but I was voted down. <laughs> and it was, it was someone, Leslie, pointed out that it was always a bike sale. The Benny's we went to right. was the one off 95 on Branch Ave, yours, Dante. <laughs> Uh, they always had bikes in the window as you drove by. I can't remember the brands, but they were inexpensive starter bikes like the Huffy I had. So, yeah, how much a part of was it was the Focus bikes? Well, the uh, bikes probably came in into uh, into the stores probably five or six years after we opened it, probably in the late twenties, early thirties. Hmm. But remember, in, in the nineteen twenties, the bicycle itself wasn't that old. My first summer job, 
first winter job was uh, the day I turned 16. I was at uh, Benny's on North Main Street, which is now where Green Line Pharmacy is. Hmm. And I, I was building bikes there. Dante, you know, there are a lot of businesses in Rhode Island. What gives people such an emotional connection to Benny's? You know, we talk about nostalgia all the time. And nostalgia for a place like Benny's has very little to do with the product that you buy, but very much so by the kind of ritual and routine that you did it by. That mythology perpetuated over time. This notion that I could, I had this thing that I could count on all the time. I could go to this store and get what I needed and the people would be friendly and it was my store and they would always be there for me. That is a concept long gone that doesn't exist anymore. The sentimentality of that and the memory of that remains strong. We're going to lose that at some, some point. It's going to go away. We need to hold on to it, even if it's only memorialized in a documentary or in our memories. We got a video from Sarah Archambault interviewing her kids on the last week Benny's was open from the parking lot of the Branch Avenue Benny's. So let's listen. I think it is going to be closed for the rest of your life until you're a hundred. No! I know. I know. I'm really sad. What's at Benny's? What's at Benny's? Yeah. You can get everything at Benny's. <laughs> That's terrific. I love it. What was the reaction when Benny's closed? It, it took a period of three or four months, and, and we planned to close by the end of that year, 17. It happened so fast that at the very end, uh, when we were closing the last few stores, uh, I, I attended a, most of those closings. Uh, you know, we got the local people come in, people who, you know, I hadn't seen in a long time. I saw one guy who, who was uh, an, uh, an assistant manager of the store I worked in back on North Main Street in 1966. You know, it was just uh, people showed up, a lot of former employees, uh, current employees. They just came to, uh, you know, to say goodbye. This wasn't, it wasn't a going out of business event. It was a closing. The time had come for the family to close the business and do something else. It took a lot of soul searching to do that because of how embedded Benny's was in this region, in our culture. It was a fairly traumatic event for everybody, mm. but it was done with as much elegance and grace as possible. You know, yeah, Dante, you said your documentary isn't going to be just a love letter to no. Benny's, but also look at how shopping habits have changed over the years and why local stores such as Benny's haven't survived in today's market. So what did change? First off, the thing that should be noted is that Benny's was so ahead of its time in terms of how they actually conducted their business. They looked at what was happening in the country uh, in terms of either – uh, commerce or techno technological advances like the automobile. And so they pivoted to be an automotive-led store because people were working on their cars. And then after World War II, when people were getting homes, it, this, it kind of switched to electronics and home goods and stuff like that. And Benny's was ahead of that curve in a way. Fast forward to the late 90s, the early 2000s, and, and to, to, to current time, shopping dramatically changed. Everything, the way that we did commerce 
changed. You know, at one point, the biggest threat to places like Benny's were the malls, big box stores. And then that changed to be online. And right, that, right. that changed to be Amazon. The way that we consumed dramatically shifted. What we've become as a, as a society of consumers is every day is Christmas. People are just getting these certain things all year long now. Yeah, Anna, what do we lose in the in the transaction there? I mean, a lot of people can say they miss Benny's, but they're also ordering stuff off Amazon as the holiday season approaches. And what do we lose when stores like Benny's close? Yeah, you lose the personal contact. And, and now, you know, if you want that, you have to go to, uh, you know, the small neighborhood stores and little shopping areas like Hope Street in Providence and Wickford. You know, you lose the contact of someone who lives in your neighborhood who knows you, knows your kids, knew your parents, uh, knows when the kid's going to be ready for a new bike. That's, that's, what's, uh, that's what's gone. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember at, at Branch Avenue was Jimmy, right? Jimmy. Who, was the, the guy who worked there for years. Right. Every store had people like that, and they became part of the neighborhood, part of the community. But the other thing that I liked is that it was small, but yet they were powerful. So the Toy Princess, who was Arnold's sister, Judy, you know, the Toy Princess took her job very seriously. She was in charge of the toy buying. Now, she had other responsibilities, but her first love was buying toys and being ahead of the curve on what people wanted, what kids wanted. Yeah, Arnold, tell us about your sister's role. No, she was the uh, actually the, uh, the third or fourth toy buyer in all of the 93 years. And my grandmother was the first. Hmm. And uh, then there were two guys, Rick Bellucci and Stu Hamlin, and took over, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And then uh, Judy came in. She was there for the whole time of all the crazes, the Ninja Turtles and uh, uh, the second generation, the third generation of G.I. Joe and... Uh, the Furbies, all, the, the Beanie the, Babies. Furbies, yeah, yeah, the Tamagotchis hmm. and all the other things. Uh, and she had a, t a tough job because she was trying to get stuff that was being chewed up by Toys R Us. Right, right. And they carried every single toy made because they had the space to, to do it. And we had to take, uh, you know, a very small fraction of that space. And we still think we had the best toy selection of anyone. And Judy got into, uh, she, she realized there was a specialty in, in puzzles, in board games, and that we carried probably a bigger selection of those than anyone. You know, with the Facebook comments, another category was people talking about the layaway plans. Mm -hmm. Like Heather Ann said, layaway and the secret Santa, which remembers that saved Christmas for my son when he was really young. I had been making payments. I was getting closer to Christmas, and I just kept chipping away, hopeful I could pay it off before the deadline. I went weak in the knees when I found out that a secret Santa paid it off entirely. Mm -hmm. This was not unusual for Benny's, I'm told. So talk to me about the layaway plan. That does not exist uh, in many places No, anymore. it doesn't. It started back, I believe, in the 1930s during the Great Depression when people basically didn't have, uh, didn't have the money. And the Secret Santa, that didn't come in until in probably the late 90s or 2000s. When it started here, it hit, it hit with a bang. And uh, for years and years, there were people who would uh, come in, and they were most were anonymous and— uh, They'd come in at the very end and say, okay, how many, how many layaways you got left? And you'd say, well, we got, this store has $1,200 worth. Someone would pay it off. Wow. And people would be so emotional. Right, right. Oh, they were a, lot of, a lot of crying, a lot of, they can't believe it. And, and in some cases, they, they paid it forward. If our listeners want to share their Benny's memories or photos for the documentary, what should they do? 
they should email us at info at bennysmovie.com. And there will be an Instagram page, a Facebook page. There'll be a little bit of a placeholder website. There'll be plenty of ways for people to get in mm-hmm. touch with us. And again, when is this documentary going to come out? 2025, with any luck. All right. Arnold, Dante, thank you so much for joining us. I'm looking forward to Benny's The Documentary. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Everybody's got a favorite song. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall with help from Carlos Munoz and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport. Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org passport. That's ripbs.org passport.